30 years ago? Younger. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 47. 40 years ago. <laughs> 40 years ago, I was at PBC as a wide-eyed and bushy-tailed young man, waiting on God, trusting God, not knowing what my future would hold. And I met the Malman family at that time. He was seven, and you would have been four? Five. Five. And so for those four years, I was able to see them grow. And even then, you could see the hand of God on their life. Even then, you could recognize that God had taken uh, pleasure in them and had a, a mark on them. And then Angie ended up marrying a quality, highest quality, young man from my home church in uh, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And you can kind of blame her for this connection being reunited. <laughs> because she came to me, we, she had come back from Cambodia, and we were sitting together having a meal. And she said, Stephen, you need to get in touch with Ben. And you know Angie's very prophetic. She said, Stephen, you need to reach out. Stephen, you need to connect. And I did that, and Ben has uh, wonderfully re reciprocated. And so that kind of brings me here today with you. And I'm excited to be here with you. Father, we come in the glorious and the wonderful and the priceless name of Jesus. We are family because of the cross. We are family because of the blood. And I thank you for the family atmosphere in this house. And I pray that it would grow it would expand, it would multiply, and that many would come in to you, be connected to you, connected to this house, connected to what you're doing, what you're speaking, what you're saying. I thank you, Lord, that Ben and Rebecca are catalysts for unity, that they're catalysts for oneness, they're catalysts for the body to be seen for what it truly is, and Lord, we release that anointing afresh on them today and on every member of this house and everyone who would come in and call this home and family in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So we're sitting at our, our table on January 1st, 2020, and my then 19, 20-year-old son turns to us and says, you know, every hundred years there's a pandemic. And we would kind of like shut the front door, like, what, what are you talking about? No, 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 no. He's like, no, no, every, about every hundred years, something like pretty dramatic, you know, pandemic-wise happens. And within three months, we found ourselves feeling as if though we were on a roller coaster and that we had just kind of hit the apex and it's been just dropping and everybody's waiting, when is it going to get back to normal? I've got good news for you. Whether we're at the apex, whether we're at the middle, whether we're at the bottom, God hasn't changed one iota. Amen. Amen? Amen? God is still the same. Yes. His plan hasn't changed. His purpose hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. He is in charge of everything at all times. Right. This has not caught him by surprise. Right. We're still trying, maybe some of us are still trying to figure out what is going on. Maybe he's trying to give us an eternal perspective. Maybe he's trying to get our eyes off the natural and onto the supernatural. 
Maybe he's trying to help us understand that all this life was always fleeting from the very beginning. And that my goals and my plans were not to establish something here, but to establish something there. And so the promise that says, I will build my church, stands (laughs) in the midst of a pandemic. I will build my church, stands in the midst of war in Europe. I will build my church, stands in the midst of all the upheavals, the ups and the downs of our lives, of our situations, of our circumstances. Now there are three things that remain. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Mm-hmm. want to talk about, take a couple of minutes on each point today. Faith, hope, and love. Romans 12.3 says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Everyone in this room has been given a measure of faith. Somebody say amen. Amen. (laughs) Each one in this room has been given a measure of faith. For you are not, for you are, excuse me, for you are saved by grace through faith, and that is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Salvation came because the Holy Spirit touched your heart. The Holy Spirit moved on your heart, and it sparked faith inside of you. Faith in an event that took place 2,000 years ago. Faith in an event that you were not there to eyewitness and you were not there to watch. But the Holy Spirit, by His mighty power, convicted you and said, you are a sinner in need of a Savior. You're apart from God and you need to be made right with God. And then you responded from that heart and you said, yes, Lord. And the Bible tells us very clearly that that itself was grace from God for you to even believe in God. For you to even respond to Him was grace. We won't get into all of that. But what we've done with faith is we've turned it around and we say, only those with great faith are really significant. Only those who do acts of power. Only those who have uh, Lear jets and worldwide famous ministries. And we've, we've turned faith into an aspect of works that was never the intention of God. was never the intention of God that we would look at faith and say, well, how great is your faith? And how great is your faith? What measure of faith do you have? What measure of faith do you have? Because we miss the whole point. We don't see what what it's all about. My faith is in the faithfulness Mm -hmm. of God. Let me break that down for you. Faith, faith was, not meant to, was not meant to be a means to an end, but an end in itself. I have faith. 
I have faith in the faithfulness of God. There's this word, there is this word in Hebrew, and I'm not going to say it right, because I can't do that CH sound. <laughs> so we break it down in English to say hesed. Okay? And the way I look at it to try and maximize its impact is this way. Listen. This faithfulness of God, it's God's inability. Wait a minute. God's able to do anything. Listen. It's God's inability to not fulfill His loyal, covenantal, merciful, loving kindnesses. Okay? I'm going to say that again because it excites me. (laughs) It's God's inability to not fulfill His loyal, covenantal, merciful, loving kindnesses. So let's paint the picture. Man is getting ready to be created. God sees before he even starts the program, we're going to blow it. We're going to mess it up. He could have opted out. He could have said, I'm not interested in this. But we know that Jesus Christ is crucified from the foundation of the world. He turned to the God the Son and said, are you ready to go? And he said, I'm ready, Father. I'm ready to go. And so God now sets up this plan in which throughout Scripture, we see him making covenants. We see him making promises. The word covenant is a word for promise. He's making promises that are, that are to be bound by both individuals who make the promise. So it's not me just make. it's not God always is the initiator of the covenant. So God makes this covenant with Adam. He makes this covenant with Noah. He makes it with Moses all through the Bible. And if you note very carefully, with every covenant that's made, man fails his part. There isn't one covenant that we haven't failed on our part. And so when God made the covenant specifically with Abraham and he walked through the blood saying, may I become like this dead animal if I don't fulfill my part of the bargain, he was also saying, knowing that every one of us would fail our part of the bargain and our part of the promise, And that meant that if someone failed, someone had to die. Are you listening? And so God in His faithful, loyal, committed character of which He cannot deny Himself. God cannot deny His own character. He can't deny his own faithfulness. He can't go back on his word. God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he change his mind. If he promised, he'll do it. That's right. So he made all these promises and then he said, because you failed your part, I will die in your place. I will go to the cross. So my faith... <laughs> is based on the faithfulness of God. So for me, well, not for me, the Bible teaches us that faith, listen, faith is to produce rest, Mm -hmm. not works. Mm -hmm. Faith 
is to produce rest. So the world is going crazy. Your life is going crazy. Somebody's sick and somebody's dying. Somebody's lost a job. A, a marriage ends up in divorce. You know, all kinds of hell is breaking loose. The Bible teaches, if I have faith, in the faithfulness of God, in the work of the cross, in the, in the reality of the God who is the eternal, who's omniscient, who's omnipresent, if I have faith in him and I know he can't fail. I looked that up once because I felt like God had failed. Felt. Didn't believe. Felt like he had failed. Felt like he wasn't fulfilling his promise in my time. Felt let down. Felt abandoned. So I looked up the word in the Hebrew to find out what it really meant. And this is what failure in Hebrew means. Failure in Hebrew means see ya. See ya. Failure in Hebrew means I've left you. I'm not with you. I won't help you. I won't be there for you. Oh boy. <laughs> Woo! Has he ever failed? Has he ever failed? He's never failed. He told you, you'll have problems. In the world, you'll have, a, you'll have persecution. The issue isn't whether or not there's difficulty. The issue is, is he still with you? The issue is, he's still with you. Right. He promised he would never leave. Right. He promised he would always stay. You might not feel him. It might not look good. It might not be what you expected it to be. But it doesn't change the fact that he's right there with you, being your strength, being your peace, being your joy, being everything you need. Come on, people. Come on. Not to me. Not to me. To him. Woo! Jesus. That's his nature. His character. Can't deny himself. What he said he will do, he will do. And when we put our faith in him, we put our trust in him, then it means I can walk through life in a place of rest. Amen. My, my eternity is secure. I have no concern for my eternity. That question has been resolved. My past has been forgiven. I have no concern over the darkness that was in my life. The greater issue now is my present. And will I rest in faith in his unfailing love? And then it moves to hope. Then it moves to hope. I don't know about you. But hope gets me up in the morning. <laughs> hope gets me up in the morning. Hope puts my feet on the ground. Hope says to me, something 
supernatural could happen today. Something, some divine interaction from heaven could actually come into my life today where anybody who knows me would have to testify God moved on your behalf. And that is this essence of hope. Hope hopes for what isn't seen, but you know that God has given you a promise so that you know that it's just a matter of time. It's just <laughs> a matter of time. My mom used to tell me, Stephen, when it is the darkest and you can't believe when you're in the most desperate situation and circumstance of your life and you want to give up on hope, hope in God. Hope in God because of his character. Hope in God because of his nature. Hope in God because he's faithful. So you see how they tie in, right? They, they're not individual aspects of our life. They're all tied in together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Come on. Right? My hope is built on the reality that Jesus Christ paid the price. His character is faithful. I can hope in Him and have an expectation for what He's going to do. The determined determine the outcome. The determined determine the outcome. The stubborn, in a positive way, <laughs> you ever see those little kids that are just stubborn as all get out but 25 years later they're entrepreneurs and they're changing the world right because they have that stick to they don't I don't give up I don't give up I don't give up I don't give up the visionaries envision a brighter future the violent the Bible says take the kingdom by violence the hungry and the thirsty will eat and drink of righteousness. So there's this reality that when I come before God and I'm resting in faith and he's given me promises, my, like I was saying at the beginning, my hope gets me up knowing that he can do great and mighty things on my behalf. Right. That he's going to do them because he promised that he would do them. Mm -hmm. I'm standing here today, I believe, in answer to hopes of years past, Dark times passed, promises passed, that I said, I believe you, even though I don't see it. Even though there's no evidence of it. And here's the challenge. Sometimes the things you're hoping for, other people say you're crazy. Why are you hoping for that? Why are you, like, that's, that could not happen to you, for you. And God wants you to say in your heart, and I'll even say in your mouth, my hope is in the Lord. Amen. It's not what I can do, it's what he can do. And there's nothing impossible for him. I'm scanning my brain thinking how many, what testimonies do I want to give you? Had a situation where a door was opening for ministry similar to what's happening right now in my life. 
And I went to a church for a visit. And this couple that had known us like 10 years before came to us and said, when the Lord starts giving you calls to go international, let us know. Okay. (laughs) So within weeks, I started getting calls to go international. So I uh, called them up and said, well, interestingly enough, it's happening. So they said, okay, write down exactly what you need. Give us a number. I said, okay. So I figured out what it would cost for the airline fares, what it would cost to look after my family when I was gone, what it would cost, when I, you know, all the, all the practical realities. And this is going back 23 years ago. Came up with $15,000. So I emailed them and I said, I need $15,000. Then I go back to that church a couple of weeks later, minister. Then the wife walks up to me with something in her hand folded up and she sticks it in my pocket. And she says, don't open it while you're driving. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I go out to the car and I sit in the car and I pull out the check and I open the check. Stephen Wesley, $15,000. Every penny supplied in one fell swoop. Because of who? Because of me? No, because of him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because of what? Because of his character. Come on, because of his faithfulness. You see, the exciting thing is when you're doing his work, you rely on him for the supply. So if I'm relying on myself for the supply and what I'm able to do, then I'm beating the bushes and I'm a beggar and I'm I'm a pauper. I'm not a son. I'm not an heir. I'm not resting in his faithfulness. I'm not resting in his promises. I'm trying to make it happen. I'm not saying you don't work. Right? I'm not saying you sit back on your lees and do nothing. I'm not talking about that. I think you understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about that that internal faith and that internal hope that I know in whom I've believed. I know his character and his nature. I know his promise. I'm doing what he asked me to do. He will look after my needs. He may not do it in my time, (laughs) but he will look after my needs. He will supply my needs. He is faithful. Hope is that ability to say, I'm not giving up no matter what happens. Hope is that ability to say, I'm going to keep pursuing. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. And I know it's going to come about. So a vision for change in Baltimore Having a vision for change in your city. Having a vision for a move of God in Baltimore. Having a vision for God to step into your city. It's going to take faith. It's going to take hope. You labor and you labor and you labor, but you have this expectation. (laughs) You have this expectation that all of a sudden the dominoes are going to start falling. You have this expectation that it doesn't look like it. It might even seem like it's getting worse. It might even seem that it's getting darker. But you have a word from the Lord. You have a promise from him that he is going to move here. And he is going to turn things around. And he is going to bring 
uh, praise to himself Mm -hmm. in the process. And that you are involved in that process because he's called you here. You're missional, Mm -hmm. right? Missional in the sense of I'm I'm on mission. I live on mission. Mm -hmm. I live to proclaim the gospel. I live to proclaim his name. But I also live to see his glory filling the earth like the waters are filling the seas. And so in my city that might be dark, that might have darkness, that might have history and all of the things that are going on, you say, but wait a minute. His church is here. His people are here. And as they come together in unity, as they pray together and pray separate, as they pray for the same thing, God, heal our city. God, draw people to your kingdom. God, speak to our representatives and speak to our our legal system. And Lord, speak in the political arena because he's more than able. Somebody say amen. Amen. Right? Because he's God. Right? He's God. And here, he's willing. He's looking, are my people resting in faith, hopeful in expectation? Because when those two things are in place, it opens the door now to the third thing, which is love. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah for love. Praise you, Lord. We thank you. So right in this, where we're reading in 1 Corinthians, you have a chapter on the gifts of the Holy Spirit in chapter 1 Corinthians 12. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, you have a chapter on how to activate those gifts or how those gifts are supposed to be activated. And right in the middle is you have this chapter on love. Mm-hmm. And this chapter on love is for us to step back and recognize that all ministry is to flow out of love. That everything that we do in the kingdom mm-hmm. is to flow out of love. Mm-hmm. That the worship that you uh, express this morning was a, between, a love affair between you and God. Mm-hmm. It was you loving him because he first loved you. Mm-hmm. It was you giving in response to his love. You're giving back to him what he's given to you. But then there's this reality where now the greatest commandment that he's given, first loving God, but then loving one another. And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it comes right down to, am I doing something for myself? Am I doing it for my name? Am I doing it for my kingdom? Am I doing it for my praise? Or am I doing it for him? And in 1 Corinthians 13, it lists these these incredible acts of what many of us on the outside would look at and say would be acts of love, that God says, no, the motive is wrong. The motive is wrong. And because the motive is wrong and it's selfish and self-centered, the act may look good, but I reject it. Because it's works of the flesh. And it's not works of my spirit. And there is a call coming, there is a call going out right now from God to his church to love right. To love, to love right, to love like he loved. To love in such a way that based on his word, where he said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, because you have love one 
for another. And so our churches that espouse his name are being challenged by the Spirit of God in this day and in this hour. Are you loving the way I would love? In the racial arena, are you loving the way I would love? Are you loving in my name or are you loving in your name? Are you loving because it's culturally easy to do it this way as opposed to do it this way? And so there is a stirring in the heart of God because when we look at the church of Jesus Christ, are we seeing separation or are we seeing unity? Are we seeing, are we seeing division or are we seeing oneness? This is a passion of mine. This is, this is what, keep, this is what my, my, my prayer times are filled with. Father, Father, they can't know your love if they can't see your love in us. The only way they... They don't care how good you preach. Sorry, they don't. They don't care whether you're, you, you know, exegete Greek and Hebrew. and They don't care if you've got thousands of people that all look the same. But you can't love someone different from you. You can't love in their circumstance, in their... Hear their heart. The, the, the ability to sit down together and weep together and pray together lament together mm-hmm. for, for no personal gain just because I love you. We were in Uganda, my wife and I. We lived there for, for, I lived there for three years. She lived there for 13 months. My wife is Italian. And she's a beautiful, wonderful lady, to say the least. And she came. We lived on 20 acres out in the, book, in the bush literally. And the Africans, right, they've experienced their uh, struggles with imperialism and racism and all kinds of stuff. So they look with different eyes. They're looking to see what you're really made of, right? We all do that. (laughs) Every one of us, we all do that. Are you for real? Are you genuine? Right? What are the the discussions you have with your friends behind closed doors? So my wife comes, and my wife just loves people. She just loves people. So one of the leader's wives is pregnant, and that's the joy of my wife, is to minister to pregnant women. So she was there with her. She was directing her. She was helping her. Well, then time came for delivery in the middle of the night. So my wife is up, boop, out the door, and you don't go at night in, in Africa, like in many places of Africa. You don't ride on the roads at night because you're basically, and particularly as a white person. But she was like, I'm going. She goes to the hospital. And at that time, basically, the woman who was getting ready to give birth would be in a room by herself in agony <laughs> with no help from the nurses and would like wait till the very last second for the doctor to come in to help deliver the baby. My wife was with her from, from the beginning till end, looking after her, drying her sweat, giving her water, talking her through, doing what she would do for any other person. Right? Just, you're a person that I love. I don't see that you're an African. I don't see that I'm in Africa. I just see you as my sister. I just see you as a person that I want to 
show love to because that's the first commandment for me. And so after she did all this, the lady that she did it for was like blown away. And you know what? The testimony of that spread. And so behind her back, she wasn't Angela the Wazungu. She was one of us. She was one of us. And this is the ability to not see the us and them when the love of God comes into the situation. Because when the love of God comes into the situation, there is no us and them. There's just us. Every one of us made in his image, made for his glory, made to proclaim his name, and made to show the world that we're one and we love one another equally and the same. When we start doing that, when we start doing that, the walls of segregation, the walls of separation, the walls of race, the, that giant, that giant over America's head will be cut off by the Davids of this day because they've recognized that this has hampered and hindered who we are and what we're to be revealing in the earth. Love of God in the cross has made us one and now we have the opportunity to live it out. So faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just want you to extend your hands to the Lord this morning. We're just going to pray through, real quickly, these three things. Thank you. You just, I'm going to pray, and all you have to do is, in your heart, say yes to God. He's going to hear you for what I'm praying. All right? Father, we ask right now in the name of Jesus that our faith would settle us. That it would just settle us. That, Lord, your faith would be like that blanket. They have these new blankets, Father, down here. Weighted blankets to help people sleep. They help them when they go to bed. They just feel weighted. They just, this, this weight in a positive way. And it's like a babe in a mother's womb. They just, they just sleep in peace. Father, your faith is to give us rest. To rest in your faithfulness. To rest in your promises. We don't have to stress. We don't have to strive. We don't have to be anxious. Why? Because of your faithfulness. We can trust you in the darkest dark. We know that you are the greatest light that shines on us. And we have peace because of Jesus. We have peace because of Jesus. We have peace because of your nature. We have peace because you cannot deny yourself. And we rest in that unfailing love, Lord. We rest in the truth of who you are. Every time I lift my eyes to you, I see your loyal, committed love. I see what you've done and how you will fulfill what you promise. So I take rest in you. I take peace in you. And Lord, that causes me to hope. It causes me to hope for you to step down and do something supernatural. It gives me hope for a change in my situation and my circumstance. 
It gives me hope for you to do what others would say is not even possible for you to do. Even if that's to endure a difficult situation with a smile on my face, with joy on the inside until the change comes. God, you're such a good God. You're always faithful. And my hope declares, Lord, and my hope believes that in this day and age, I will see the hand of the Lord in the land of the living. I'll see the promises of God come to pass. I'll see an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. I will be a part of the wind of revival that blows in my life, in my family, and in my city. God, you're still God. You haven't changed. You stay the same. And Lord, we come before you with a hope, a hope to see and to know and to be a part of a great move of God. And Lord, we pray for an increase of love. We just pray for an increase of love, Lord. I know that love is just love. I know it's just from your it's just it's just it's just love. It's a it's a verb. It's not a noun. It's action, but with the right motive. I just want to love because I have been loved. I have been loved beyond my wildest dreams and my wildest imaginations. I have been forgiven of all my sin. I have been cleansed and made new. And I want everybody else to know that the same can happen for them. I want to love with your love. Love over every barrier and every blockade, every wall and every hindrance that would prevent me from loving in your name and loving as you love. We pray that this would be a house of that love. It's already resident here. It's already present here. It's already the seedbed and the foundation stone upon which this house is being built. And we pray that it would increase and increase and increase. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. And thanks, Stephen, for your words today. Thank you. God is good. God loves you today. Thank you for being here. Uh, remember, there are some people that God has put around you in this world that start to think they should go to a church on Easter. And so remember, there are invite cards at the tables at the back, uh, a really nice, easy way for you to give someone the information about how they can attend. Thank you for coming today. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.